Welcome to ChinaGlobalTrade.com. I'm Molly Castellazzo, and you're listening today to an audio recording of a telephone interview I did with Jigger Shaw, who is president of the Coalition for Affordable Solar Energy. I think that, you know, we work in what I would call an infrastructure business, right? And so there's a lot of money that has to go put, be put to work. You know, in last year alone, I think that number was around $8.5 billion that was invested in the U.S. solar deployment. So to do U.S. solar deployment requires money in two or three different ways, right? The first way you require money is by hiring sales and marketing staff to find customers, right? And you don't get paid for that until after you close a sale and get paid for the sale. That's when you actually make money on that investment, right? So that's one. The second is at the time at which you do that, you then have to buy equipment and actually construct the projects, right? And most customers um, don't give you progress payments, right? When you sell a, a system um, and you do, you know, let's say a solar lease or a solar power purchase agreement, then the customer is only paying for the power that gets generated once it starts being generated. They don't pay you, like, you know, here's $5,000 to start the work and then $10,000, like, halfway through the installation and then the balance due went on, on completion. That's some sort of investor who's investing in the project, right? And they don't want to take all that construction risk, so they invest when the project's completed. So now the question becomes, how does one actually um, cover that nut, right? One way to do it is to take out a home equity loan on your on your house and, you know, to do it that way. And that's how I started my company and a lot of other people started their company. But and then some people have working capital loans and, you know, other people and other people have trade credit. What the Chinese are really good at in many different things, right? Supply chain, you know, I think the National Renewable Energy Laboratory did a great report showing that their supply chain was about 20% more efficient than the U.S. supply chain. Um, but the other thing they're really good at is providing trade credit. And so one of the biggest problems that we've had in the last four months in the U.S. is that as solar installers um, were told, you know, through this trade case, to consider other um, solar manufacturers, those other solar manufacturers weren't as generous with providing trade credit, right? And so if I bought a container with the modules from Solar World, they would say, you have to pay me before I'll ship. Whereas, you know, they had a deal with SunTech where they were saying, you know, like SunTech said, you can pay me 60 days after you receive the panel, right? And so that's a big problem for people because they're sort of saying, you know, we don't really know how to, how, to, um, how to finance that nut because, you know, we, didn't, we always got financing from our, from our panel manufacturers, right? So that's one of the big problems that you have is that, you know, the solar world and some of these other companies are much stingier at providing trade credit than Chinese work. I mean, the Chinese companies broadly, and, and this is the thing that, that I think is lost on in most of the articles that I've seen written about this area, is that what China's doing in solar is not different than what it's doing in every other sector. When China makes Apple computers, right, Apple basically says to Foxconn, you know, I want to buy 20 million iPads, right? And then based on that order, Foxconn goes to the local provincial government and can borrow money to actually, like, you know, finance the upgrades to 
make those iPads. And then, you know, the provincial government might say, well, we'll give you, you know, 30-day credit because Apple is a good credit-worthy counterparty for, you know, 3% interest. And, and then they can pass it on to Apple. And Apple can decide whether they can get, you know, that money cheaper from the local bank or whether they can use that credit from the manufacturer of the iPad. Right? And so I just think that people think that there's all these special subsidies for the solar industry, but China's just very sophisticated about how it supports its manufacturing sector. In case it happens to be for solar manufacturers, not for iPad manufacturers. Sure, sure. But so it's it's really that support comes through the local governments as loans. As loans, not grants and not soft loans. Right. Real loans. Right? So if 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 Suntech does a bad job of giving credit to local installers, such that those local installers screw Suntech and don't pay them back, Suntech still has to pay back the government. There are some people who think that Chinese solar manufacturers get loans that don't really have to be repaid, where the bank says, yeah. yeah. That's, been, that's been debunked by, like, every major news outlet on the planet. It's not true. It's never been true. Now, yes, if, if, if you go out of business and you go bankrupt and the Chinese government's left holding the bill, but... But there's no, like, loans that are forgiven. And that's that's an unfortunate situation. Like, Dan Jones says that the Chinese government gave $30 billion to solar companies. That wasn't true. The Chinese government issued a non-binding MOU for $30 billion. And the Chinese solar companies had to go through six months of paperwork to get access to some of that money, which is why most of them didn't take it. Now, was that $30 billion a lot... I mean, was that access to a line of credit, or was that... Exactly. A, okay. not know what it was. It was just liquidity. Gotcha. And so then the companies had to say, here's what we're going to use the money for, and here's how we're going to pay it back. And if they couldn't do that in a way that was defensible and, and agreed to by the bank, then the bank didn't give them the money, right? So, I mean, it's like, it's like yes, we support solar, but... Like, you have to have a credible business plan, and you have to show us how we're going to get paid back, and then if, if you can't do that, we're not going to give you the loan. The reason why the U.S. has a hard time with manufacturing solar panels is the same reason um, why the U.S. is strong in auto manufacturing, right? The, the, the reason why a manufacturer is successful is not because of that manufacturer. It's because the ecosystem is supportive. So in auto manufacturing, for instance, most, if not all, of the auto manufacturing parts necessary for the U.S. auto manufacturing industry comes from Ontario, Canada, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Michigan. They have an entire ecosystem of people who are experts in making, you know, like leather seats and electronic controls and, you know, all that stuff. And then, and what happens is when you manufacture it, let's say you're in, Michigan and you need that part tomorrow, well, that part was made in Ohio. They just truck it over. If that part is made in Japan, like, you know, like what are you going to air freight it over? Right? But that's the problem in the United States. I mean, not all of the components necessary to make a solar module are made in the U.S. And so if I'm a solar manufacturer and I need silver, silver aluminum paste and it's not made in the U.S., 
I'm going to import that from Malaysia. And what am I going to do if that, like, if there's an earthquake in Thailand and it disrupts the supply chain? Am I going to, like, be out of work for a week? That's, that's the reason people don't manufacture in the United States is because they don't have a very well, like, you know, like, efficiently designed supply chain in the United States for solar. And so how did China in, what, 10 or 12 years develop such an efficient supply chain because the U.S. has, or, or companies in the U.S. have been involved in solar for much longer than that, right? Right. Well, let's be clear. China is, is, is one stop on the, on the solar supply chain train, right? And so, so this notion that everyone thinks China is this dominant manufacturer is not true. When I started in the solar industry in the 90s, the U.S. was the largest solar manufacturer in the world. And then in 1998, Japan decided that it was going to kickstart the, the global solar industry, right? And so guess who became the largest solar manufacturers in the world in 2001, right? Shark, Kyocera, you know, Mitsubishi, Kanaka. And what did they do to kickstart the, the global solar industry? They did what Japan does. They provided a subsidy program in Japan for manufacturing and and for installing uh, solar panels in Japan. Japan was the largest solar market in the world before Germany, right? So Japan was like 30% or 40% of the total global solar market, right, back in 1999, 2000, 2001, right? And then, and then, and then they, they supplied the subsidies to Sharp and other people to take old VCR manufacturing facilities that were, you know, like mothballed and turn them into solar factories. Then Germany in 2003 said, this experimental solar program that we have, we're going to kick it into high gear. So they passed a new law, which I was a part of, and guess who became the largest solar manufacturers in the world in 2004? Germany, Germany. right, yeah. <laughs> and what did they do? They provided a 50% subsidy of all of the capital costs involved in putting up a solar plant if you did it in East Germany. Guess where all the solar manufacturing facilities were? In East Germany. Or solar put one in, Q-Cell put them in, SolarWorld put them in, all sorts of people put them in, right? And then, after, after Germany said, we're going to be one of the largest solar markets in the world, then, you know, like, China said, you know what, we should become a large solar manufacturer. So China said, that's great, we should do this. And guess where they bought all of their equipment from? U.S. equipment manufacturers as well as German equipment manufacturers. So, like, they bought materials from materials, they bought materials from, you know, um, from companies in Germany, and they built their manufacturing facilities in China. Now, China has one big, huge um, advantage in all this stuff. They make a lot of glass, they make silver aluminum paste, they make a lot of chemicals like phosphorus and other things. Dow and DuPont have huge facilities in China. So they have the supply chain of all these products in China. The one thing they didn't have in China was silicon. So even today, the largest solar exports um, from the United States is silicon, right? REC, MEMC, Hemlock, they make all the silicon in the United States and we ship it over to China, right? Now, so then China said, well, we're gonna develop a program to develop, you know, silicon manufacturers in in, um, in China. And they hired huge companies like Black and & Veatch and, and others, like, you know, Western companies who had built silicon manufacturing plants in the U.S. to make them in China. Oh, so that's how they got the know-how, was they, they hired it from the West. Yeah, they didn't steal it. 
they hired it. So, I mean, so the thing is that everybody's saying China did all these things that are illegal. What they did was China had a plan. I right. mean, like the U.S. hasn't had a plan for manufacturing since Jimmy Carter. And when Larry Summers took over within the Obama White House, he refused to have a manufacturing plan for the United States. He said that having an industrial policy was against American principles. So the U.S. didn't have an industrial policy. Even Germany has an industrial policy. Germany says, you know, we're, not, we're never going to be good at making low-value, low-cost products, so we should make high-value, high-cost products like cars. And so Germany has had a very deliberate strategy of manufacturing stuff that has very high value and high, high you know, like automation. So, but that's why the U.S. doesn't have solar manufacturing. If the, and so to answer your question around the tariffs, what's going to happen? So if the U.S. makes the mistake of having high tariffs against Chinese products, the U.S. is going to import solar modules from India, Malaysia, and Taiwan. They're not going to manufacture stuff in the U.S., if it's it's if it's SunTech, for example, does it matter where it's actually manufactured? If they manufacture in Taiwan or Malaysia, can they export into no. the U.S.? Yes, it, it matters. They don't okay. have to pay a duty if they make the cells in Taiwan. Okay, so do you think that there'll be a shift? So it's still the same Chinese manufacturers; they're just making it somewhere else, not in China. Right. Right, that's exactly what's going to happen if if the if the tariffs are are are, um, are punitive. If the tariffs are small, like the countervailing duties tariffs were, then the Chinese will just suck it up and pay them and you know keep moving on. Right. If they're punitive, then they'll move their supply chain to India or Malaysia or Thailand or Taiwan. So you talked about about polysilicon that that China is developing its capabilities. Um, to produce that. What about equipment also? Because China still imports a lot of the equipment from the U.S. and Germany, right? Yeah, so I mean, the Chinese in solar, I can't speak for other industries. Sure. In solar has not proven itself to be innovative around manufacturing equipment. So it can, it can copy manufacturing equipment that's made by German or U.S. manufacturers, but those German and U.S. manufacturers are improving their equipment every year. And so then the Chinese companies miss out on the improvements. And so the Chinese manufacturers have decided to buy manufacturing equipment from Germany and the U.S. because they find that that equipment, it's worth paying the extra price for that equipment because it's, it produces much lower cost I spoke with uh, an analyst last week who said that China's manufacturers have driven down the cost of cells and modules, but that the plan is to run out all of the U.S. manufacturers so that then China's manufacturers have essentially a monopoly on but cells and... The U.S. manufacturers that they ran out of business. I guess the, what, the 12, 11, or 12 that have gone bankrupt so far? Yeah, but they were all going to go bankrupt anyway. Okay. I mean, like, Evergreen Solar, I don't know if you've followed their stock price since like, 1998 when they were in public. No. Evergreen Solar was on, teetering on bankruptcy every year since <laughs> 2004. They never turned a profit. Even in 2007 when the module prices were sky high, they still didn't turn a profit. And so, like, I mean, the thing is, is that the narrative is so easy to craft on China as the big, bad company that hurts country that hurts all U.S. manufacturers. Right, absolutely. 
I mean, that's easy to say, right? And, and think about how many voters you get by saying that. Yep. But the reality of the situation is, is that in this industry, and I'm not going to say that China was is a, is a good actor in every industry, because I don't know. But in the solar industry, the Chinese, like, I mean, these are publicly traded companies. I mean, Suntech, Trina, Yingli, and Canadian Solar absolutely could go bankrupt in the next 12 months. And and why is that? I mean, why have they been having having difficulty too? They they posted losses last year, right? Because because the Koreans and other com- other countries around the world have decided that solar is a strategic industry. And so we now have 35% more production capacity than we have demand. And so we have an oversupply of modules globally. And so some people who had extra inventory, like the Chinese, said, I need to get that cash back. So I need to lower my prices to get more market share to sell, sell products. But that's not dumping, right? I mean, that's just selling at a lower margin, just like you do if you have extra furniture in your furniture store. You say everything's 70% off, right, to sell out your inventory so you get new stuff in. So China is basically in a situation where they have no pricing power right now. The demand has all the power. Supply doesn't have the power right now. And when will that change, do you think? It's a cyclical business. Every yeah. three years it changes. So, you know, we're probably in this glut for about three years, and then three years and then three years from now we'll be in a shortage because nobody invested in new manufacturing facilities. So, you know, there's like, you know, a, a shortage of modules because solar, solar demand has gone up so and what about on innovation? The price of solar still needs to come down to be competitive with fossil fuels, right? Without without subsidies. Not anymore. So there's been major articles written by Fortune and Forbes showing that solar is now cost effective without subsidies for 20% of global electricity sales. So yes, I mean, solar prices have to come down to be cost effective in Tennessee where prices are really low. But for 200 utility companies in the United States and 24 states, um, solar is now cheaper than the current price of power, representing 21% of all the electricity sold in the United States. Innovate, innovation is still positive for the industry, right? To make and it so will be for 50 years, yeah. So, how are the Chinese manufacturers? How do they stack up compared to the German and Japanese and American manufacturers in terms of innovativeness? Well, this is. This is a great question. I mean, and the answer to that question is exactly what Apple has done, right? So because the U.S. has no industrial policy in this country, if you're an entrepreneur that's come up with a new innovation for solar or a new innovation for batteries, guess what you do? You go to China to manufacture it. And so the Chinese are not innovating new solar, but they're licensing technologies from companies in the United States who come up with drift great new strategies, and they're paying them handsomely for those technologies, um, and they're manufacturing them in China. Now, I wish we could manufacture in the U.S., but somebody needs to, like, actually decide that that's a good thing to do in the U.S. Now, like, you know, right now, all I hear is people bitching and moaning about, like, the fact that we have no industrial policy, but no one's actually putting one in place. Right, because it does still seem like there's that prevailing opinion that Larry Summers echoed, that it's not American to have an industrial policy. Sure. Well, that's, look, I mean, 
that's their choice, right? Yeah. Then Steve Jobs, when he makes a brand new iPad, goes to China and manufactures it there. But I think, you know, your point is well taken that what is critical is for for it to be clear that it's not China, you know, China's nefarious dealings stealing American manufacturing and stealing American jobs, right? Right. Well, that's what the Department of Commerce said. Yeah. With the countervailing duties. Right. What countervailing duties are, let's just be clear about this, right? Countervailing duties is an indictment of an entire country, right? Countervailing duties is not an indictment of any one company. Countervailing duties ask the question, did China oversubsidize its solar industry, right? And the answer was no. It was pretty small, right? Now, dumping is an indictment of whether two specific companies, you know, and by definition other companies, sold module prices at lower than market rates. And then we'll see what, that, what they say on that, that, that they dumped, but we'll see. It's important for you to note that solar is not the same thing as auto tires, right? If the price of an auto tire goes up by 30%, people are not going to buy less cars. But if, if the price of solar panels go up, people are going to buy less solar, right? And so there is a supply-demand curve. And so if the price of solar panels go up, people will lose their job in installation, maintenance, sales, and marketing. And since only 4% of 3%, sorry, of all the jobs in, in the United States have to do with solar cell manufacturing, and only 12% of all the jobs in the solar industry broadly have to do with manufacturing solar cells. You have, you know, 97% of all the jobs in the U.S. are held hostage to this ruling on the tariffs. Say the the anti-dumping tariff is very high. It, it's it's so high that China then starts to manufacture in Malaysia and Taiwan for export into the U.S. How much are prices going to increase? Do you think? Well, I don't know. Solar will want the two hundred fifty percent tariff, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, like I think stock analysts have said that module prices will probably go up by between ten and fifteen percent. Well, they think it'll cost to abandon China's supply chain and to buy from Taiwan and Malaysia and other places instead because the cost will go up to do that, right? And I think that what, what you know, our report showed was that, you know, the solar industry would basically create about 50,000 fewer jobs if that happened. That's the choice. So if, if, we're, if we're, I mean, so, I mean, that's the thing that I think no one has actually said in an article, right, is that if, the, if we... Chinese lose this case, we're not going to get the panels from the United States. We're going to get them from other people who have an industrial policy. So we're going to sacrifice our downstream jobs in the United States, and we're going to ship jobs from manufacturing from China to Taiwan. So why exactly are we doing this? I mean, I get that people hate China right now, but it seems like a foolish thing to do.